Thanks for tuning in to this episode, BBB Presents Women in Philanthropy, featuring Anne-Marie Henkel and Sharon Mitchell, co-presidents of Impact 100. BBB's Sarah Kemmerer celebrates Women's National History Month with this local women-led organization by talking about the importance of ethical giving and how women are changing the game in the nonprofit world. Welcome back to a brand new episode of BBB Presents. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by Sharon Mitchell and Anne-Marie Henkel, co-presidents of Impact 100. March is Women's National History Month, so I wanted to highlight the incredible women of Greater Cincinnati and the philanthropic efforts that they're making to impact the communities across the tri-state. Sharon and Anne-Marie, thank you so much for joining me today. So I think the first thing we should talk about is what is Impact 100? So can you tell me a little bit about your achievements over the last 20 years and your grant-making model? Okay, um, it's probably a good idea just to share briefly our mission. So um, the mission of Impact 100 is to empower women to dramatically improve lives by collectively funding significant grants that make a lasting impact in our community. So we like to talk about it as making transformational grants. Um, and it's worked really well for us. Um, over the past 19 years, we have been able to make grants to over 50 different nonprofit organizations, investing um, over $5.6 million in the community. So it, it's working as a great, great model. Um, Anne did you want to talk a little bit about how it works? Sure. So uh, thanks, Sharon. So how it works, it's really simple, simple idea that um, an individual woman can join either as a half member, and that cost is $5,500, or as a full member, $1,000. And what that full and half refers to is the vote that they have at the end of the year regarding the recipients. And the third option then, both of those options can do what we call 110%, which a 10% additional amount that helps cover our operating expenses because we are, we are an all-volunteer organization. Um, so the, our, our board is volunteer and all our members kind of serve on the various committees. So how it works is uh, we have our members and we have that by the January 1st, we know how many members we will have. That then translates into how many grants we will be able to make. So it's a divisible by 100, by 100. So for this year, we have over 400 members. So we are able to give four grants um, to nonprofit organizations. So, and if you kind of tag that on to what Sharon said, that means after our 20th anniversary, we will have invested over $6 million into the community. So we are so excited, not only to be celebrating our 20th anniversary, but also be celebrating that we will be working, you know, probably with over again, 50 organizations that we've worked with and investing over 6 million. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. And when you go to your website, one of the first things that I noticed was your tagline, which is women together changing lives. Can you talk a little bit about that and what your tagline means to you? Sure. I think it really um, simply means it, it really embodies the work that we do because everything we do, women are working together. Um, so it's combining our dollars or collectively pulling our dollars. And then also um, members can work together to review all the applications that come in to do the site visits. I mean, do you even work on co committees like recruiting and membership and on our diversity and equity inclusion committee? So it's women, we, we really foster an environment of working together. Um, and that's kind of the, the, the theme that underlies everything that we do um, and transforming lives. So it's transforming the folks that we um, invest with. But I think I personally, I can say it's transformed my own life. And I think a lot of members would say the same thing that it, we, um, 
it really, you know, they, everybody talks about you always get more out of um, giving than what you give. And I think Impact 100 continues for me to really embody that every, year after year because it's, um, you know, not only opening my eyes to what's out in our community, but also the people and the women um, that I work with and encounter as members and also in the um, nonprofit community, the work that's being done. So that's how I think really simply, that's why the tagline still resonates today, 20 years from, its, from our founding. Mm-hmm. Well, I like, and we've talked about this a little bit, um, that you all are in your 20th anniversary. So happy anniversary. So yes, Impact 100 was founded in 2001. Um, I like how there are details that haven't really evolved, that your core has really stayed the same. Um, and earlier, Sharon said, you talked about how Impact 100 is not the same that it was 20 years ago. So I like how there's been this constant evolution over the past 20 years. So Sharon, can you talk about what ways Impact 100 has evolved? Sure. So um, so Impact 100 was wonderful when it started, um, but we have evolved and gotten better in um, so many different ways. Um, first of all, we've grown in our impact. Um, initially, we were able to award only one grant per year, and now we are up to awarding four grants per year, which is, which is just great. Um, we've also grown in our reach. Um, we now have members from age 20 to age 93, and it's amazing to watch them all come together and work towards a common goal. Um, we've also evolved in growing um, ethnically and more racially diverse um, and also um, geographically diverse. Uh, we've worked very hard at gaining um, membership and presence in the Northern Kentucky um, area. Um, we've grown in size. Um, we, we've had to learn how to empower and work with an organization over four, with over 470 members which is quite a different dynamic than working with, you know, 100 members. Um, and we've learned all kinds of exciting and interesting ways to keep our members engaged. And then finally, um, we are doing a really good job of offering educational opportunities to our members. So they learn about the needs of our community. They learn about the wonderful creative nonprofit organizations we have. Um, and we've been together on a journey about uh, learning about uh, doing grant making through an equity lens and um, growing in our understanding of trust-based philanthropy. So lots of education opportunities. You said your members are from age 20 to 93. I think that's huge. And I'm sure that they probably keep you on your toes. <laughs> they, do. they do. They all have different opinions about things, yes. which is good. Yes, and that's what you want. And yeah. something I wanted to mention is that Impact 100 was a Torch Award winner in 2019. And the Torch Award, we know, of course, is a huge deal at the Better Business Bureau. It's the only ethics-based award in the region. So the Torch Awards is actually the most prestigious award that the Better Business Bureau can give to an organization. So Anne-Marie, can you talk a little bit about that experience? Sure, I think um, it, it, it kind of flows right really nicely with Sharon talking about our evolution because I think our experience of, of um, being a Torch Award winner in 2019 is that we really feel like it made us a stronger organization. It, you know, the questions and the application process really had us you know, strongly look at how we did things, how we were looking at processes and really you know, our policies through a different lens, you know, from an outside lens. Um, and that was really helpful. And also 
helped us look at different benchmarks that we wanted to start to compare ourselves to. Um, so it was an extremely valuable experience for us to, to um, go through the process, but even more, more so that we were awarded, you know, we were one of the winners in 2019 because mm -hmm. I think that's what we're all about is constant and continual improvement. And this was really a kind of, we feel an important award for us to have achieved um, in our, you know, in our first 20 years. I think that's something that we really were excited about. And proud of. Yeah. And I think, I mean, just talking about your first 20 years, it sounds like you're both excited to see what is coming in the next 20 years and how you exactly. all are still constantly evolving. But just reflecting over the past 20 years, you all have rewarded over $5.6 million to tri-state nonprofits, which has funded over 50 breakthrough nonprofit, nonprofit initiatives. And these organizations go through a extremely detailed vetting process to be considered for a grant, let alone chosen. So do each of you have a memorable initiative that you've seen executed? Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, one of the most memorable to me uh, was a grant recipient from 2012, which was um, Mercy Neighborhood Ministries. Um, they are a, a wonderful organization, and their grant request was to expand their um, home care aid training program. Um, it was a, a two-year grant, and um, what it was designed to do was take um, younger individuals um, in the community and teach them the skills that they would need in order to provide in-home um, health care to individuals. And it's primarily to elderly individuals that wanted to remain independent in their home. So it was a huge win-win. It was a, a win in terms of skill development and employment for a, news, for a sector of um, the community. And it was a huge win for the elder members of the community that could remain in their homes. Um, they did an incredible job. They were working with a group of individuals in training um, that didn't always stick with what they were doing. So the traditional graduation rate um, was not very high in this particular area. And they worked through a lot of understanding of their target students and they got their graduation rate up to 90%. Um, and they did so many other things to support um, mostly the young women in the program. Um, they noticed that after graduation and before the employment of the individuals, um, a lot of the individuals kind of uh, fell by the wayside and didn't actually get employed. And when they dug in to understand why, they found that those people needed some gap assistance between graduation and employment. So they didn't have money for transportation to get to the jobs. They didn't have money to buy the scrubs that they needed to wear to the, um, you know, to work. Um, so they created a gap assistance plan to provide, you know, funding and support for the young women. So it was just a wonderful um, grant to see come to life. Um, I think the most memorable thing for me was I got to go to one of the graduations and the young women there were so proud of their achievement. Um, they, they talked about how they would for the first time ever be able to break the cycle of poverty, um, you know, within their family. And um, to have their kids present, you know, and clapping for them and proud of them was just um, an amazing experience. Yeah. And Anne-Marie, what was, what was your memorable initiative? Um, well, one of mine, it's more recent. It actually was last year, one of the recipients, um, the 2020 recipient is the New Life Furniture Bank. And that is an organization that works with a number of agencies in the region um, to help homeless families 
um, once they are moving out of homelessness to help outfit their new homes. So with bed and furniture, dishes, kind of just household items. And what New Life Furniture does is it collects a lot of that from donations. So um, our grant then went to help, um, help them purchase some gently used trucks so that they could expand their ability to, to do a lot of that pickup and delivery to the different families' homes. And so I, you know, personally this speaks to me because um, I, my kids and I, we went there and made tables, um, you know, kitchen tables and coffee tables. Um, so, and we've also donated furniture. They've come out and picked up things um, and organized a neighborhood drive pickup. So I think why this one kind of really speaks to me is not only that, you know, really helping it, it, fit it, filling in a need of this, this gap of people moving out and moving into an apartment or a new house, but they don't have the beds or they don't have the kitchen table or they don't have the dishes. So really something concrete that can help folks. Um, but also it's an opportunity for our members to get involved um, a little more hands-on because some of the organizations um, really do transformative work, but they don't necessarily need volunteers. They've got a skilled staff or a skilled program that they're operating. And so, some, so it's nice sometimes to, to work with organizations that they do have opportunities that after the grant is made that members can get involved. And that's, again, goes back to that transforming lives. And that's an opportunity for our members to, um, you know, we always think it's a success as they continue to give and if, give to other recipients or even um, organizations that they found through the grant process that has really mm -hmm. spoken to them. So that's exciting. So I wanted to talk about your involvement with Impact 100. I'm sure that you just didn't walk off the streets and become co-presidents of Impact 100. So what have some of your roles within the organization been and how did you get started with Impact 100? Um, I can start. Yeah. I, so I, um, I moved back to Cincinnati um, with um, after being away for 10 years. And so I had a young family and I had got, heard from a, a friend of a friend said, you need to look into this organization. Um, it's an opportunity to connect with some folks. And so I went to a kind of a uh, spread the word session, kind of initiation, learn more about the organization. And I joined. And the first thing I did was join a focus area committee, which this committee looks at the grant applications and does site visits. And I was so impressed with how the meeting was run. There were a lot of people, 25 people in the room, but our meeting, they said it would be two hours. It was two hours. Everybody was heard. We had great discussion. So I was hooked. And that after that first year, they asked me if I'd like to join the board as the development chair, kind of helping on the fundraising side. So I joined the board and I uh, just continued. One of the things that I um, got involved with is that prior in prior years, um, the financial review was done at the end of the grant review and it was done by one person the treasurer and as we were continuing to grow and evolve after six or seven years we said this isn't a sustainable model um, we have too many applications to go through a treasurer can't be one person can't be held responsible and we were also finding that our whole membership needed to be a little more aware of what how the financials impacted making a decision that it had to be financially sound for us to make that kind of a grant, a $100,000 grant. So we formed what we call the CERC, which is the Community Investment Review, which is a, a long thing, but CERC has kind of stuck um, since that time. And that works in conjunction with the Grant Review Committee. So there are certain members on CERC that really their view is looking at it from financial stability, but we're working together constantly so that the folks that are reviewing on the grant side understand 
if there could be some issues or things, questions that they need to have addressed before it could move forward in the process. So, um, and then after that became vice president and then served as president actually during our 10th, an 10th anniversary year. So, um, and Sharon was my vice president at the time. Um, and then after I, I rolled off the board, I uh, was nominating chair and then served on the governance committee. So, um, and then in that time, once off the board, I, I kind of did the went back into the focus area committees because that's my favorite part. Um, and then Sharon and I were tapped or asked uh, last year to, to, to step in as um, co-presidents, try this new model, because this is new for us. Um, it had been a singular role. So um, that's kind of my journey, my impact 100 mm -hmm. And you all just be, you all have been co-presidents only for a couple of months. Right. This is yeah. this is a brand new right. process that we're testing new. out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I'm sure you both are lucky to have each other. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Sharon, did you want to talk about your involvement? So, um, so my journey began in much the same way as Anne Marie's. You mm -hmm. know, I heard about Impact 100 from friends in the community, um, and ended up joining a focus area committee. <clears throat> and for me, the focus area committee experience was just amazing. Um, I think what struck me the most was, you know, you read through a series of maybe 20 or so grants and you kind of form in your own mind who you think are the strongest mm -hmm. ones and the weakest. And then you go into this meeting and you listen to 20 other people talk about their point of view and you go, oh my gosh, I didn't see that in the grant or I never thought of it that way. And, and you can see some of your decisions just totally flipping as you listen to your sisters in the community talk about what they see. Um, and so it's just such a growthful and wonderful experience. Um, and I just loved seeing the creativity of the nonprofits um, as they put together programs that they wanted to do that they felt would transform the community. So I just loved that experience. I was then going to just become a quiet member, um, minding my own business and not do much when Anne Marie said, <laughs> wouldn't you like to be vice president? And I was like, well, Okay. Well, sure. Why not? <laughs> so we teamed up, and as Anne Marie said, it was you know around the tenth anniversary, um, and and we had a, a great time. Um, around that time, Impact One Hundred was giving two grants per year, but had aspirations to try to give more. So we put together a strategic plan and figured out what it would take for us to be able to you know grow in size and an impact. And um, you know, we executed that plan over the, over the next three years and we grew, grew from two grants to three to four per year, um, which was just really a, a, an exciting experience. Um, after that, uh, they, uh, the organization decided they needed a governance committee. So I um, helped put together the first mm -hmm. government, governance uh, team and chaired that. And then, you know, went away again to be a quiet member for a little while. And um, as Anne Marie said, we just uh, reemerged as co-presidents. <laughs> I was going to say, it looks like this this quiet member isn't really going well for you. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. <laughs> I need a training block in that. <laughs> well, oh gosh. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And it sounds like, I mean, Anne Marie, you said you moved back to Cincinnati after a whole nother life. So it sounds like you both have had much experience in your professions way before Impact, being co-presidents of Impact 100, and just along the way of being board members, part of these all, a part of these different committees. So just looking back at your careers, can you think of any decision-making moments in your life that really like influenced the direction of your career and how you ended up here? 
Okay. Um, uh, yes, I can. I, I, I can think of, of, of one particular decision um, that had a monumental effect on me. Um, so for my career, I'm a chemist and I worked at Procter & Gamble in research and development and, you know, began my career formulating products, um, you know, patenting different things, and then grew to become, you know, first a project manager and then a program manager. So I had worked my way through uh, my career and I was probably two or three years away from when I wanted to retire. Um, and I was the vice president of R&D. And um, I had everything kind of the way I liked it in my program. I had my innovation pipeline all set and you know a wonderful team of creative individuals that were growing in responsibility and in leadership and everything was good. And so I thought, good, I'll do this for two more years. Still have to execute everything in the plan, but um, you know, had worked on networks and relationships with the people I worked with, um, and, and things were good. Um, and then um, the CEO of Procter and Gamble came to me and said, "Wouldn't you like to change business units and go do what you're doing now, but do it over there because we need some transformation in how innovation is occurring?" And my initial reaction was. No, Absolutely why, would not. Want, why would I want to do that? <laughs> um, but I thought about it a little more and um, it had some uh, mentors and friends uh, point out to me, you know, why it might be a good thing to, to do this. Um, and so I did, I took a leap of faith and, um, you know, decided to, to go ahead and take on the challenge. Um, and it was a challenge. I mean, it, it needed, um, a, a whole step change in how research and development worked with the business unit, and it needed a culture change in terms of freeing up individuals to be able to innovate. Um, so, um, you know, once I decided to, to jump in, I, I, I never looked back, you know. Um, I decided to add on two more years to my career, um, much to my husband's dismay, because <laughs> we were going to start traveling together. So we still did, and you just put it up a mm -hmm. little bit. Um, and, um, it, and it really was an amazing transformation and culture change opportunity for me. I just learned so much in that opportunity. Um, and looking back, I, I would never have wanted to do it any other way. It was like the highlight of my career. Um, but it was interesting because it was something that I really, really didn't think I wanted to do. Yeah, this quiet member, this quiet membership is really not working well. <laughs> in all aspects of your career. I need to sign you up as a mentor. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, thank you for sharing. That sounds like, that sounds like you've had such an, an incredible career and even being co-president, you're, you're not done yet. So <laughs> we have plenty it, of ways to go. It's a wonderful place to work. <laughs> and Anne-Marie, let's talk about um, your previous career. Sure. And I think um, I can really for me, the transformational moment is with my Impact 100 experience because um, my background was all in financial services. I worked for Fifth Third Bank and Standard Insurance Company in the 401k arena and for, you know, over 15 years. And so that, that you know, I love that work. I had, I worked with clients um, and helping them craft and execute their 401k plans, um, you know, different originally all in this region and then um, moving on with standard to, you know, national along the East Coast. Um, but, you know, halfway in that middle of that career is when I got involved with Impact 100 and learned about uh, profit organizations and funding and, and working with nonprofits and the work that could be done. And um, I connected with, in 2008, you know, the, cri the housing crisis hit mm -hmm. in Cincinnati, the Greater Cincinnati Foundation pulled together funders 
um, to talk about ways that we could help ease the, you know, just kind of what how the COVID-19 response fund happened this a year ago. That happened in 2008, just on a smaller scale. So I was attending meetings on behalf of Impact 100. I was currently, at that time, was a vice president. And I reconnected with a colleague of mine um, that was there representing. She worked um, for Ignite Philanthropy Advisors and was representing her clients. So she assisted them with grant making. And we, that we re reconnected. Both of us had worked at Fifth Third a number of years before. And through that relationship um, with Susan, I learned more about the work she did. And then, then it was um, probably six years later, she was expanding her business, hiring another full-time person. And we were discussing that, thinking that I was congratulating her on her growth in her business. And she said, would you be interested in that work to do this role? And um, I said, you know, I had to think about it for a minute because I was like, well, that's, I'm not even thinking of it. And that's outside of what I do. But I really thought about it and I said, this combines the two things I love to do. I love to work with clients, um, you know, whether that's on a 401k or their foundation work. And then I love learning about the nonprofits and all the work that's being done in our region. So it kind of married the two ideas. So I went back to Susan and I said, I'm interested. How do I, you know, so I started the process and the interviews and, and, um, and that's so seven years ago, I joined Ignite Philanthropy um, as a program officer to work and that's where I am today. So I really credit Impact 100 exposing me to that, what is happening out in the nonprofit community and also realizing how that could become a career. So I, you know, that's my one huge transformational moment for me. Great. It sounded like when that first was approached to you, you thought, oh, well, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if this is up my alley, but then you think, oh, that's, that's a no brainer. Right. <laughs> and you look back and think, oh my gosh, I'm so happy I did that. Mm -hmm. And I would have never thought, you know, if you had told me when I was starting out at fifth third, that this is where I would be now, I'd be like, hey, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. How do I even make that jump or, or right. where's that bridge? So yeah, it is. It's amazing. Well, thank you both for sharing just one example um, of one career decision. I'm sure there's been plenty of decisions that you've had to make across, um, across your careers. So kind of going off of that, I'm sure you have seen a lot and you've had to make decisions on your own. So what social constructs or like social norms do you think that just have been totally crushed in the philanthropy community within these past 10 to 20 years and even as far as like 40 years back? Uh, the one thing that comes mm -hmm. to mind for me that we've really seen evolve is um, how philanthropy happens. So I would say 20 to 40 years ago, what you would see happen is that philanthropic decisions were made primarily by men. And um, the way the decisions were made happened a lot through um, the old boys network, you know, who knew who, who asked mm -hmm. for money. And that was the way dollars were awarded and given. Um, what we've seen is that women like to do their philanthropy a little bit differently. They like to get involved in the decision-making. They like to actually see and feel the impact of the dollars. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the reasons why I think the Impact 100 model worked so well is because the women are in the decision-making <clears throat> as to who um, gets the award. And they also have an opportunity to experience firsthand the impact of the, um, of the award. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and you've talked about going to that graduation, and that still has such a huge impact on your decisions that you've made and your what you're thankful for being in the philanthropic community. It does. I mean, it really gives you an opportunity to personally experience the difference mm -hmm. you know, that it makes. Right, and I feel like we're seeing more 
um, women dominated boards, board of directors um, that want to know a little bit more about the organization rather than just signing a check and handing it over. They want to have that personal attachment, that personal experience. And even if they don't personally align to, or they have one preference over another, they still want to hear what the other one has to say. And they want to learn about the different opportunities. So I feel like, I mean, this is just another example of how Impact 100 is really impacting the greater Cincinnati area, because we just have such a diverse um, wall of needs across Mm -hmm. all different races and ages, and even um, like demographic location across the tri-state. And well, and just Anne-Marie, you said that you moved back to Cincinnati um, after 10 years of being away. So I'm sure you both have either lived in different cities or you've worked with people that have lived in different cities and worked in different regions. So how would you say that the philanthropic community of greater Cincinnati compares to those where you've worked elsewhere? Well, I think two things really come to mind for me. Um, The first one is how incredibly generous um, the greater Cincinnati community is from a philanthropic standpoint. And um, years ago, I mean, this has to be 10 or 12 years ago. I remember we had an Impact 100 conference. So there was probably eight chapters of Impact 100s. It started here in Cincinnati and it's continued to grow. And we all convened here and each of the um, organizations talked about the top, who were the top philanthropic funders in their communities. And what was really striking is that a couple of the Impact 100 chapters like in Florida and some other locations, they were the top philanthropic funder of their community. And for Cincinnati um, or United Way in a lot of these uh, communities was the number one funder. Um, And in our community, in Cincinnati, United Way didn't even make the top 20, you know, because there was all these other foundations and groups of people. And so that really struck me at the time of like, wow. And people even comment on that. Like, I can't believe, you know, there's all these families or, you know, names that of individuals that are your top funders in the community. So that really kind of struck a chord. I didn't grow up here in Cincinnati. So that was new for me. I was like, wow, yeah, that's true. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So first of all, the just the generosity here in Cincinnati, but speaking as someone then that came back, returned, um, I found that it that the philanthropic space in charities are very accessible. It's a great way to learn about the community. They're very opening and welcoming. I mean, it's somehow that was a space that I could really jump into. Literally, I did with Impact 100, um, but also then connecting with other nonprofits through volunteering. So it was a way to meet folks other than my neighbors or, you know, or encountering through work. Um, but it, so it was meeting like-minded people working at organizations, but then it was also learning about all the creative things happening in the, in the philanthropic space to solve problems and, and create solutions. So I, that's what really strikes me, I think, different than the um, communities that I've lived in um, where I grew up or, or in, in Louisville or Dallas, that it is, um, and I think part of it is that small, it, it's small for a big city so that you can feel like you're making an impact and really connecting in with these organizations. So um, so in addition to Cincinnati being um, a really generous community, um, I've also been impressed with how creative and innovative it is. Uh, we have a recent example that, that we would like to spotlight that we think is, is just an amazing um, one. And there's a, a, a local company called Amend, and one of their partners, um, Paul Delaney, wanted to really magnify the impact of um, his company's uh, philanthropic dollars. 
and he wanted to have a greater impact on the community and get his employees involved in leadership in the community. So um, when he learned about Impact 100, he created a scholarship to encourage his employees to get involved in, in the philanthropic um, you know, activities in the community and to join Impact 100. So in his case, if one of his employees is interested in joining, um, he asks that they make the two, first $250 donation. And then he does a three to one match of their donation to make them a full Impact 100 member. And um, we have seen just tremendous excitement uh, generated within you know, his company for Impact 100. And it's, it's kind of a win-win-win for everybody. Um, you know, it's a win for the community because obviously we get more um, dollars to award, you know, as part of grants. Um, it's, a, it's a win for the employee because they get to um, meet other philanthropic minded women and get into a network and experience mentoring if they want to. Um, and it's a win for the company because they get their employers to grow deeper roots in the community, which can lead to retention and, and help leadership growth. So um, we just thought that was one of the most innovative and creative models, and we love it. Well, that's, that's such a great transition into the next question I wanted to ask is, I like how you bring up a recent example. And I know that you both have, that Impact 100 has programs that have recently been designed that you wanted to talk about. Anne-Marie, did you want to go first? Sure, that'd be great. So one of, one of the more recent in the last, um, I would say, five years, is our Charlotte R. Schmidlap Young Philanthropist Scholarship Program. So this program is really targeting 18 to 40 year old um, women to become members be, who are philanthropically minded and want to be part of and learn more about women's collective giving and kind of be part of this network of like-minded women who are interested in philanthropy in the community. So we are fortunate that we received a grant from the Charlotte R. Schmidlap Fund with, of uh, Fifth Third Bank to help us sponsor this. And we what we do is we open this um, process up for, and we award four to five uh, women recipients each year to be part of this Young Philanthropist Club uh, program. And what that does is that helps that they do make a, a portion of the, of the membership fee they pay, and then, there's, and then it's subsidized, but they're set on a plan that within four years, they become a member um, themselves, that they're paying the full tuition. But it introduces them to the concept, to Impact 100. Um, they do have to, you know, sit on at least one committee and attend, you know, kind of our key signature events, the big reveal and, and the annual award celebration. But we've, we have really seen this has been a terrific opportunity um, really to, for these me um, members to be mentored but also for our other members, you know, it just really is that integration of, you know, young ideas and perspectives, um, you know, ideas that they bring to the table of organizations that may be out there that we're not aware of or doing uh, unique things. So it's really a great program and we've seen great results. Um, and it helps again, you know, looking at that broad base of our membership that to, in order for us to continue to be sustainable and evolve is we need to continue to, to build that pipeline. Um, so with that, I'm going to put in a plug. Uh, the applications are due for this program April 30th. So if you um, go out to um, the young philanthropist at impact100.org, um, you can see the application and click on it. And we would love for um, any of you women out there 18 to 40, you're eligible to apply. 
And so I'll turn it over to Sharon because we have some other more really recent exciting programs. So, so in addition to um, you know having the new things going on in our membership, uh, we also have something new going on in grant making. So just this week, um, our board approved our next step awards, which are smaller grant awards. Um, we noticed that most of the recipients of our grants, our $100,000 grants, were some of the larger, more well-established um, nonprofits in, in the community, which is understandable because it takes a certain you know, budget size and organization size to manage a grant of $100,000. But we really wanted to have an opportunity to also work with some of the smaller, more grassroots, newer organizations. We thought we were missing the opportunity to get to know them. So in honor of our 20th um, anniversary, we decided to establish um, this Next Step Award for this year. And these will be grants of $7,500 to $20,000. Um, and we will award up to $60,000 of grants um, on a community basis. Um, and in this particular case, the um, nonprofit decides how much they would like to apply for. It's not a designated amount. So we are really looking forward to getting to know a whole different set of nonprofits in the community and to see some of the creative transformational work they are doing. Um, we're, we're looking for grants that will meet a community need and that are innovative and collaborative. And of course that will have some transformation impact. Um, so we're looking forward to, to seeing those and those applications will open April 15th. So we're very excited about that. And this is brand new. That decision was just brand made new. just a few days ago. A few <laughs> days weeks ago, ago this yeah. episode airs. <laughs> Hot off the press. So right. you, you all are on the ball with getting these decisions <laughs> going down the field. <laughs> well, Sharon and Anne-Marie, thank you so much for chatting with me today. BBB wishes you the best of luck with this upcoming year. Well, thank, thank you. you Sarah. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to talk about Impact 100 and, and to meet you. Of course, I'm yes. looking forward to what this year holds for you all. <laughs> yes, me too. We've got Thank a lot you. of exciting Thanks. things. Thank you. I'm Sarah Kemmerer with your Better Business Bureau, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of BBB Presents. Until next time, connect with BBB Cincinnati on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to check out local businesses and do your part by leaving reviews at BBB.org.